This is a Pele Media Podcast. Back, Ghostbusters Minute fans, you might recognize my voice as the guy who annoyed you uh, every day for about nine months while we uh, <laughs> uh, talked about the movies Ghostbusters uh, one minute at a time, and usually I was joined with my brother Brady. Of course, I'm Kyle Crane. Uh, sorry for bothering you here with this, but we had to do an episode about this because <laughs> there's a new Ghostbusters movie out, yeah. and uh, I got some opinions on it, and I'm sure my guest does as well. I'm going to introduce him real quick. Uh, you may know him from Five Minutes of Mystery. Uh, he is a good friend, a dear friend of Pele Media, a good friend of this show, um, and a guy we've wanted to have on for a long time. So without any further ado, Mr. Dave Palace. Dave, thank you so much for joining me tonight. To oh, Kyle, yeah, no. Th- Kyle, thank you for having me on. I think since I watched Afterlife, I texted you and said, we got to talk about <laughs> it. We got it. We got to put another episode on the feed. This is definitely worth the time. Absolutely. And just, you know, we all, we want to send a shout out real quick to Brady. Uh, we hope yes. things are doing okay for you in prison. Uh, one day you're going to get out <laughs> and you'll be able to record more Jurassic Park minute for folks out there. So, uh, you know, everybody send Brady your love, uh, down in Angola prison. Uh, he'll, he'll get out. He's going to fight these charges. They were bogus from the beginning. So, <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, whether whether you two like it or not, like they're going to probably make more Ghostbusters that are going to make more Jurassic Jurassic World movies. This is true. This is true. We're talking about, you know, off air at the beginning of the show. Like, is this the end for Ghostbusters minute podcast episodes? It's like, eh, but we'll probably end up doing another one in a couple of years as, as the end of this movie would uh, would suggest. But uh, before we get into it, let's go ahead and say real quick. This is going to be a spoilers episode. Yes. Uh, if you have not seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, um, go ahead and do that and then come back and listen to this. Uh, I imagine you're probably listening to this after you've stuffed yourself full of turkey after Thanksgiving dinner. And there's nothing better to do than take your family yeah. to the cinema and watch Ghostbusters Afterlife. So if you've done that, pause this right now. Do it. Come back. Yeah. Okay, you're back. All right, great. We got some <laughs> opinions about this movie. But first, I want to ask you, Dave. Yeah. Where were you when you heard that Jason Reitman was doing a Ghostbusters movie? Honestly, I bet you, like, I was just, like, at work, and, like, I always have, like, a Reddit tab open of just, like, the movies and television panels, Mm -hmm. and I'm always, like, refreshing it, like, seeing, like, who's talking about what, like, yeah, are they announcing something, like, I mean, this is a couple years ago, so they're, like, you know, they're talking to Star Wars, they're talking more Spider-Man, they're talking, so I was, like, yeah, the usuals, usuals, and then they were, like, yeah, remember Jason Reitman's working on a Ghostbusters, I was, like, wait, that's the, that's the son of the, of (laughs) Ivan Reitman, I was, like, okay, I was, like, (laughs) All right, and then that that teaser of that barn, that yeah. dark, stormy barn, and then just like a flap, and then you see the Ghostbusters logo on the side. I was like, I was like, okay, like we're we're going. It's back in the in the in the uh, the original movies universe. Yeah, yeah, that was such a probably I got to say like probably one of my favorite teasers of all time, and it's great because they shot it like apparently in complete secrecy. You know, um, and then it, I believe they announced it. And then the day after the the teaser trailer came out and mm-hmm. I was in from that moment, uh, you know, um, when the 2016 Ghostbusters uh, answer the call came out. One of the reasons we launched Ghostbusters minutes because Brady and I had been wanting to do a movies by minute podcast for a while. Mm-hmm. And we knew like, oh, we could capitalize on this because this movie will be coming out and a lot of people will be talking about Ghostbusters again. It'll be a great, great way to kind of bandwagon onto that thing. Um, I didn't know what uh, conversation was going to happen around that movie, yeah. but um, I didn't completely hate that film i think that there was a lot of like really funny stuff in it i I think paul feig after ghostbusters answer the call has had nothing but hits out of the park if you haven't seen anything the guy's done after that go and check out his movies because he's just been fantastic love the cast of that movie i don't know i don't hold the cast and i don't hold paul feig in Mm. any like you know disrespectful regard yeah because the thing was that that whole sony email leak you see all the emails and it's it's really Amy Pascal going, oh, we got to make a Ghostbusters because we got to make a Ghostbusters, right? So yeah. it's like executives are like telling Paul Feig, you got make one. He's like, I don't really want to make one. He said, mm-hmm. and he says in interviews, I didn't really, I wasn't interested for the first like three or four times that they were a- that Sony Columbia asked me. So it's yeah. like clearly like, he was like, I'm not up for it, and it sounded like. You know, they were like, they just, everyone got to kind of was like, all right, I guess the executives want to make one and then there's money we made, we'll make one. Right. And, you know, so, yeah, so like the, I, it's like, I was okay with the plot. You have a villain who wants to use ley lines to get power. That's, and I'll, I'll spoil it for the video game. That's part of what Evo Shandor in the video games plot had. 
Right. He had ley lines around New York and he was gaining power because he wanted to become a god. Yes. So it was like, oh, okay, there's a bad guy who like knows a lot about this. He wants to get powerful. Conceptually, I'm okay with that. But yeah, it was like the writing. I was like, I don't get all the dancing, all the singing, all these jokes were were not really adding to the storyline. Mm-hmm. And then the guy's like, oh, I'm a bad guy. I die. I'm a ghost now. And I make a bunch of people dance. Um, I was just like, I was kind of going like, I don't get what, you know, what our story here was. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, um, I remember early too reading that Katie Dippold, the the writer of that movie, really wanted to lean into the horror aspect of it as opposed to the comedy, which, you know, the first movie is a comedy with a little bit of horror. She wanted to go the opposite way with it. I'm like, that's actually really interesting. But I don't know that all of this really comes together to do that. And like you were saying, uh, Amy Pascal getting involved and it's just, hey, the studio gets in, they put their fingers in it and completely messes yeah. everything up. And I think that they learned their lesson. For this one, because it while this one this does, is made, this is made by people who like want to make a Ghostbusters movie, not because money's to be made. It's because we have a story to tell. Right. And that's what's important about a movie. You want a story to tell a, a story with a deep family lineage, I feel, because that runs through not only the actual production of the movie, having the son of the director come back and make this a guy who said that he was on set while they were shooting the first movies. He's probably the oldest Ghostbusters fan out there. Mm-hmm. But also this this familial aspect, I think, was really uh, at the core of this movie, you've got a family that doesn't really know a whole lot. You have these kids that don't know a whole lot about their grandfather, about their family lineage, and they're out there searching for something. And you find uh, the the main character in the movie, played by uh, McKenna Grace, I yes. believe, um, really finding a connection to her dead grandfather. We'll, we'll get into that whole plot here thing in a second, mm-hmm. but I, I want to go ahead and ask you, um, coming out of the movie, what is your what is your general overall feeling of Ghostbusters Afterlife? Oh, I was like excited, and yeah, like I mean, like people were joking about, like yeah, but I like I did tear up because mm-hmm. I was like, I was, I think I was happy for several reasons. A, I got to see the Ghostbusters, I got to see the the the, the power, the props, I got to see our, uh, our the original, you know, remaining Ghostbusters. I I got to see what I believe was a respectful CGI rendition of Egon, not Harold Ramis, but of Egon. That's what. Mm-hmm. That's um, a couple articles came out this week uh, of Jason Reitman talking with Violet Ramis Stein about how he went because he's a he knew her since he was a kid because she'd be on the set with her father when mm-hmm. he's on the set with his father. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I went to her and her family and we talked about how we're going to make a respectable Egon, not just a, not a how Ramis, but an Egon look like. So if you're like, you know, he look like how Ramis. Yeah, he's made to look like an Egon representative. It, it was it was about that in respect to that character. So. Seeing all that, I felt like it was it was a good, and also I think I I got a nice relief because I felt like that was a great passing of a torch movie. Yeah, because it was it was like a hill. It was like a hill that I never knew if we were ever going to crest that hill. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we've crested the hill, and it's like I, you had that read that sigh of relief where I didn't get that sigh of relief when the Star Wars sequel trilogy finished because it was just like it was a mess. You could tell they didn't know what they're doing. Yeah, Carrie Fisher is dying. Harrison Ford does not care at all about being in there. Yeah. And it's like, and Luke, you know, uh, as Luke's character, Mark Hamill's like, he wasn't really interested in going in that direction, but the studio wanted him to go in that direction with, with Luke. So it's like, we crested the hill. We lost a lot in the process. And you're like, <laughs> we great. We, and, and, and even the, 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 the newer actors, they're on to other things. So it was just like, but this felt like such a great crest of the hill. Mm-hmm. That we get to pass the torch. If any of the original actors want to return for like another movie, it's fine, but they don't need to. Yeah. Uh, yeah we can it, have new characters now. That that's that was my big feeling coming out of it as well. It's kind of like they could make a sequel to this and it couldn't have any of the characters other in, in the from this movie that we just saw, Ghostbusters Afterlife, except for Ernie Hudson, and I think it would be fine. Yeah. Like they kind of left it in a place where he's like hey, there's going to be more ghost busting stuff involved. I'm going to take it from here. Uh, I would be, I would not like it if McKenna Grace at least didn't come back for another sequel because I thought oh, she, she really knocked it out of the park with this she, one. Yeah, she and and uh, Logan Kim playing podcast, I think. Yes, yeah. They were like, they were the Atlas uh, statues that held like a, so much of the emotional weight of the yes. story. And, and, and with, with Logan, with his character podcast telling these like, Whippy jokes, being silly, and her being like that staunch uh, Spengler serious. Uh, it worked for for those two kids to mm-hmm. hold this movie up. 
Which is which is amazing. They're the Ray Stance and the Egon of this movie, and they uh, are given, I think, a, a, a lot of stuff that you didn't see Egon and Ray really do in the in the first one. That's it, that's kind of the, the the formula of this movie. We're just jumping all over the place here, but it's okay because yeah. this is a fun conversation about it. But you kind of pull the Venkman esque character out of it because that character doesn't really work in the modern day. And you have the straight man, and you have the the jokey guy podcast, uh, kind of like playing off each other. And I did feel that. There, there's a lot of conversation about this movie that it it leans too heavily into the nostalgia for the first movie. And I feel like three quarters of this movie, I really wasn't seeing that other than a little bit of Easter eggs planted in the background props that were in the original movie or, you know, a collection of spores, moles and funguses and things like that. I really did feel that this movie put these characters into situations that were not in the two previous Ghostbusters films at all. Um, you know, you lay the script of Ghostbusters 2 on top of the script for Ghostbusters 1, and it's like they're going, okay, at 15 minutes, this has to happen. At 30 minutes, this has to happen. Okay, at the end, of, we have to have some sort of giant figure walking through New York. And I feel like that was really leaned heavier into the formula of the first movie. But this one, like, the entire Ecto-1 in downtown Somerville um, uh, action sequence is something you did not have anything like that yeah. in the other two Ghostbusters movies. And on top of that, you've got a director who doesn't really do action doing a really damn good job yes. with an action sequence. Um, he ju- Just today, I think, because he had Adam Savage as an assistant for both, like, science and tech uh, when he was doing the story, and they talked about how, like, yeah, that he, he called him on the science, and he said a lot of what Adam said to him, he used as inspiration for when Phoebe talks to Trevor. Because mm-hmm. it's like a science person talking to a layman. Mm. Um, and he said that, where he's like, I, I do small story... Uh, character-driven stories. And you could tell for like most of this movie, it's a, a character-driven story. Yeah. Um, it's, and, and, and yeah, our action scene, the fact, like he said, he actually pulled out toys while he was at Ghost Corps and him and his uh, co-writer, he says his father like looked at him with like confusion. He's like, what are you doing? He's <laughs> like, I'm, I, he's, like, he's like, I need to plan this, this shot out. Like I need to figure out how this works. <laughs> and so he said, he's playing with Ecto toys and Ghostbusters as, as little prop figures. Cause he's like, I, I've never done action like this before. And I have to like, see it from like, you know, this perspective of figures shooting uh, uh, proton packs at ghosts. So hmm. uh, the fact that he, I think, yeah. And then um, I'll, ju- I'll ju- I guess I'll jump to this. The only things I wish that we had more of, and I think I definitely think there's more footage on the cutting room floor that had to get cut down. I feel like you can get a, maybe another half hour of footage in this film that could be an extended cut on the Blu-ray down hmm. the line. Mm-hmm. Cause I felt like lucky was getting close to being a smart aleck like like uh, Venkman. She just didn't have a lot of screen time to do it. Mm-hmm. And Trevor was kind of like the everyman with Winston because he was like, you know, he's you could see he was getting this. He has this gearhead. Um, but yeah, we kind of didn't focus on them enough. Yeah. So like, but I, I and also here's a funny thing: Bo Kim Washington, uh, Bo Kim Woodbine plays Lucky's father, the sheriff, and he's only in one scene. And I'm like, yeah. you don't bring Bo Keem Woodbine in for one scene like that. Yeah. So there's definitely more footage of the sheriff, A, talking to her about, you know, she's a small town girl and she wants to get out of here. Because she said, I'm fourth generation in this dump. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, him being the sheriff and the fact that, like, a go- ghosts are just running amok around the city and he's nowhere to be found. So, you know, he's answering all these calls about all these, you know, ghosts everywhere. Yeah. So that's that's clearly like a deleted scene. I I, I see it's a it's a pet peeve uh, nitpick that I hope you know come the Blu-ray we get to see all that extra footage and I go okay or they get to like extend cut where you get to see all maybe maybe somewhere in the third act she you know she drives that cop car maybe she meets her father and says that I'm gonna go you know get on the radio or something she's driving and on the CB radio she's like you know dad I gotta help them out and do this and so forth I can see that happening like in a, in a deleted scene. It definitely felt like towards the third act, and um, you know, this is a, a a mainstream movie that's been to play to families and stuff like that. It felt like, yes, like you're saying, like there was something missing because the story takes a few leaps, and you're kind of like, oh, this is moving much faster than yes. I think. Yeah, and so here's funny story. So uh, you've seen this film twice in the theaters, correct? Yes. Okay, I saw it once on I think the last Saturday, right after it opened, and during, and I'm going to see it again on Thanksgiving evening with my in-laws. Um, during the film, uh, I had an emergency at a call that I had to get up and take, and mm-hmm. I was gone for about 15 minutes of the movie. So I left apparently during the third act transition 
that was really kind of like where the core was taking place. I showed up just in time for Gozer to come back. And okay. I, I'm assuming that was Evo, Evo Shandor I saw torn in half. So I don't know yes. how that all happened. So for me personally watching it, there was like, I kind of accepted like, oh, there's something I'm going to catch on the next screening of this. But I have heard a lot of... Well, what was the last thing you remember seeing? If there's anything uh, like important for the plot, I'll, I'll mention it. But other Okay, so it was it was the kids going down on the elevator into the selenium mine. Oh, the, yeah. okay. I think that I think you... Yeah, uh, the most important thing of that scene to note, and it's, it's, it's kind of like the moment when Phoebe really knows that her grandfather, like he didn't abandon them, was that when they go down there, you find, yeah, they see Evo Shandor's co- uh, uh, coffin. He okay. is preserved. Okay. Uh, she sees numbers on the side of the wall, and their numbers like it's like uh, uh, eighteen something, and and podcast goes, oh, that's the Krakatoa explosion. Huh. She goes nineteen oh. She it's funny. She says nineteen oh eight, and and he says that's the, the Tunguska to- explosion, yeah. which is true. But what's funny is that. They should have, I think, for the movie, they should have been allowed to say the 1909 because that's what Ray says. The 1909 Tunguska. Oh, that's right. So it's yeah. like one of those things where, like, for the sake of the movie's continuity, I'd uh-huh. be okay if we skip the continuity. <laughs> we push the real life continuity of, of the Tunguska blast, like, by a year. Yeah. I'd be okay with that because, like, I feel like I would swallow that easier than, like, Ray being, like, forgetting a year. I think it'd be funnier if you're just like, that's, that's the, if for some reason in 1909 there was another Tunguska explosion. That's right. Um, we'll move a mass sponge migration off by a year or two just to kind of offset everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then she, now it's, I had, a, I had a little argument on Twitter about this. The next number was 1945 and lucky says, what didn't happen then? And that's the entire line. Hmm. And so someone Twitter is like, Whoa, ghostbusters related, uh, gozer to the Holocaust <laughs> and the Hiroshima explosion. And I'm like, no, they literally said 1945. What didn't happen? And that's it. Like that's, like a lot happened during 1945 of like the the end near the end of the war. Huh. Um, so it's like I, and I personally interpreted it as like what if there was a cult of Gozer trying to do something like yes. in Europe? Like what if there was a, a Wolfenstein type situation where it was like oh my evil Shandor Nazi scientist doing something? I would love it if yeah. that is what we get, like baby Evo Shandor with his grandfather yeah. or something like that, teaching him about oh. the occult. And we have yeah. like te- Tesla level, like Ghostbusters, like trying to stop it. Like we, that would be the prequel well, that I think we need uh, here for the, for the sake of, for, for now you could head cannon over uh, overlord that. that oh my uh, God. Yeah. Yeah. He's got Bo- uh, that robot it. movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and it's about like Nazi scientists, like playing with the evil dark, dark arts. <laughs> and a, a couple of U.S. soldiers are like, we got to take this place out. Okay. So, so you know how, how like JJ Abrams, they have like a script laying around. They're like, ah, how can we Cloverfield this into something? So yeah. they, instead of Cloverfielding it, they're ghostbustering into, it. I love it, Dave. That's amazing. <laughs> like, that's what I was like, where my brain went when I was like, yeah, like during the war, like I've played enough Wolfenstein to be like, yeah, I'm sure there was a Nazi scientist being like, "Oh, we could use the evil power of the Goza to take over the world." You know, like I can easily like just go, "Yeah." And then the U.S. was like, "We gotta send in some special forces," and they weren't Ghostbusters; they were just a bunch of guys with explosions and bombs. They were like, "Yeah, blow this whole base to Kingdom Come." Oh my God! Inglorious Bastards meets Ghostbusters. Yeah. This is the movie I didn't know that I wanted. Like, so. like that's what that's what. So that's so, and then the next one was 1984, the Cross Trip of Manhattan, mm-hmm. and then I think it was like 2021. And they go, okay, like that's now. And what you don't know is that the portal in the bottom starts opening up, and they're oh. all staring at it. And then four uh, proton packs that have been built on obelisks in the corner fire into the pit, making a a. a across stream that and the whole place is earthquaking and then the the four uh yeah the four uh proton streams hit each other cause a molecular you know uh, cross rip or whatever is uh, crossing the stream thing uh for protonic reversal and then the thing dies down and mm. and even shander starts waking up but then he dies back down interesting and, so, okay. and that's what phoebe's like that's all the earthquakes are it's every time he has a program egon has a program now that every time they try to open the portal. He has four streams uh, disintegrate it oh, and cross stream. So okay. that's the most important part. And that's when she's like, that's why he did all this because like mm. no one believed him. And so he left everyone. He had to do this. Right. He, he took all the equipment and everything. Be, yeah. Nobody believed him. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so, and I guess meanwhile, that's happening. Um, I think that's why that's happening. Callie 
she gets she finds a PKE meter and she's being guided down the f- fire pole into the bunker. And she finds pictures. Uh, Egon started to move the light around, and she's seen pictures of herself, and she sees all these pictures of her growing up. Hmm. So she realizes that he was he was keeping tabs on her from a distance, and he was making notes about like her height and like how and different things that like she was doing and her different Aww. activities. So she's like, "Oh, geez, like he was paying attention to me," mm-hmm. and she's looking at all these things, and that's when uh, uh, Zul comes down in a smoky cloud and grabs her. Hmm. And okay. that's when, and she meets. And then, meanwhile, I think while the uh, the kids, I'm trying to think. Oh, the kids are. I think they're tr- they're trying to get the proton stuff. So that's when, uh, and then somewhere during that time is when uh, Mr. Gruberson got hit by Vince Clortho. He's now possessed. He goes back into the mine and possessed. He starts destroying the proton packs. Oh, okay, okay. And that's how she gets out, and then and then Callie as Zul, um, she's back at the house. Uh, I think they once she hears that the portal opening, she jumps to the window and starts running like a dog out to the mountain, and then her and Gruberson hook up, and uh, and yeah, she like she like takes her clothes and she takes her clothes and she rips it turns into the flowing gold dress. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so that's what it was. You had to kind of keep that in continuity, I guess. And yeah. then her and Gruberson they make out, and then. Yeah, cuts the gozer like opening, and the portal, and yeah, she rips him in half. I think you're, yeah, you're pretty much caught up by that point. Okay, and, yeah, and then yeah, they're, and then so they're, they're, and then all the ghosts are out. They go to the uh, jail and they unlock Muncher, and Muncher eats the bars of the inventory so they they can get the proton packs out. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But I think you're, yeah, I think that's most of the plot beats that like uh that you missed they packed a lot either i was gone for yes. a lot longer than i yes. thought a lot happens in a short period of time mm-hmm. there yeah. and that's that was actually one of my one of my complaints was that it felt like a lot of story a lot of character like a lot of character a lot of character, we got ghost 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 it was just like right that. yeah and I, and I did want that i was like well come on i i, I got i got the storyline let me give me the ghosts so yeah. i wanted yeah i wanted to see the ghosts and i think i think that might have been a sl- and that might have been Jason Reitman, maybe his dad, Ivan, like starting to argue where he was just like, OK, you have a lot of good story here, but we got to mm-hmm. wrap up this story with uh, ghosts and we got to get to the ghosts. And, like, right. you know, we can't make this movie too long. We got to keep this movie under budget because this movie's only like 70 some million dollars, which is crazy because I think like what answer the call was like 150 million yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And, now, and Ackroyd, this- his complaint about Feig was apparently they said, oh, well, we got to have these extra. He never said what, but there were some scenes they needed to have, maybe mm-hmm. some explanation scenes. And they said, and Feig's like, oh, we don't need it. Then test audiences. That was the one complaint he had he made public. He was like, he was trying to turn the knife on Feig. But it was like, Feig said we didn't need it. They had, you know, uh, test audiences said, and they had to go back and reshoot it. And yes, that also like inflated the budget to over, you know, 100 million or whatever. Yeah, so, which yeah. It, it fell off pretty quick. It was really hard for them to recoup that. I believe that after this weekend, this movie is going to be profitable. And it's already at like sixty some. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, like total worldwide. Yeah, so they're. I mean, it's it's, and then you know, you fa- factor in like you know, uh, do, if they do release that extended cut, I would definitely buy the DVD for. It. I mean, the Blu-ray for it. So I'm thinking we should hear probably something about the next Ghostbusters movie probably before Christmas. I, would I think they already like showed you like, a, I think they already released like what the, the packaging for the movie Ooh. is going to look like. I think they, I think I saw on Instagram under Ghostbusters news. Okay. I follow that guy, Jason there. And I think he's always posting something. I think, yeah, a couple days ago, they said like they, the Sony is already putting together for like, maybe like maybe, I don't know if they're going to get it before Christmas, but maybe like January, February or something. Hmm. Oh, good, good, good. Okay, cool. I need but, to follow Ghostbusters like, then. But yeah, like I, it's definitely that's on my list, and I'm sure there's going to be some kind of like 2022 uh, Ghostbusters one two Afterlife pack or something. Oh, sure. Repackage it. Yeah. As long as they, they repackage complete... you with like with more footage and more like Jason and Ivan behind the scenes talking. Yeah, I'll get it. Yeah, and, and they've been releasing a lot of um, you know good stuff on YouTube too. Kind of like you know uh, mm-hmm. we get you know fixing up the Ecto one, and I think Adam Savage, like you were saying, has done all this behind the scenes stuff too. That that could be a pretty good ad- addition on there as well. So, um, yeah, uh, I think I think we both really like this movie. A lot. I do. Yeah, I, re- I really do. Um, I yeah, I think it's the I think it's the best as of now. I said I don't want too much of it, but like I think as of now. That's the best handled CGI based character. Oh yeah, hundred percent of a of a, of a deceased actor we've had yet. They didn't have yeah. him talk. 
They didn't have mm-hmm. to do anything crazy. Like it was just, you know, very, very quiet and subdued. Yeah. Um, they didn't try to write they, they He was already passed. So they had, they, they didn't have to like, write the movie around. It. it was like, that's part of the film. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think, yeah, my only uh, picky nits, if you will, are just that I want, um, some more scenes that kind of flesh out Trevor and, uh, and, uh, lucky. Cause I'm okay with their characters. I just know that they, they did obviously did not get the, the lion's share story and, 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 and scenes like podcast and Phoebe did. Yeah. And there's large portions of the movie too, where they just kind of like, aren't there. And then we'll cut back to them. And it's like, Oh yeah, that's right. There was a brother in this movie. Wasn't there, you know, yeah. like, um, and which is, you know, but I guess, I guess I think that, um, uh, McKenna Grace is really and and a podcast and and yeah. Phoebe are really the, the the heart and soul of this and, and really did you know this that's her written and sung song at the end of the credits I only know that because I sat through the credits and I read oh, I'm one of those freaks that <laughs> reads every name of like everybody in the Korean studio that did all the CG and stuff and whenever yeah. they came to the music I was like oh wow McKenna Grace I didn't even know she's sang or whatever but that's a, a real fun song her first single yeah and oh I is it, it. Oh, I was she's... like I was, yeah not bad. Yeah. polymath yeah she's a multi-talented actress and uh this is uh, the first thing i could think i haven't really looked at her at her film filmography i think is the first thing i've seen her in but i was really uh kind of like um i don't know, taken aback is the way this is the term i want to use but i was really like this is a really talented kid yeah. playing this nuanced like on the spectrum character that can't be easy to really kind of uh you know um uh, do this and she's got to carry a lot of like um, emotional baggage but not really show that through the character like this is not an easy character to play at all and then she really knocked it out of the park with the whole thing all right well let's see you might know a lot of her credits uh i would say uh our uh, our buddy of irish persuasion niall mcgowan was saying how she's really good at playing the younger version of a female character like she was young tanya into i tanya okay yeah the Margot robbie uh, let's see. She was a friend in Young Sheldon. Oh, she played one of the daughter the, the, the daughters in Haunting Haunting of Hill House. Mm, okay. Uh, Theo, she played the young version of her in Haunting of Hill House. That's right. Um, I think she was in like Sabrina. She, and she's done a lot of shows. Sabrina, okay. uh, Designated Survivor, Fuller House, Young Sheldon, Handmaid's Tale, um, Malignant. She was Young Madison in Malignant. Which one's Malignant? Malignant. Oh, oh that was the. That. Oh God, that was the one. The recent one with the. With the the woman and she got her her twin brother. And she Dude, a, that's probably my favorite movie of this year that I've seen so far. <laughs> that movie's, movie's insane. insane. I was supposed to say, I was like, do I? Like, I was like, I can't tell if I like I'm just annoyed with this movie or I just like, I, or did he blank check just do the craziest <laughs> thing and be like, I'll never get away with this again. Yeah, and he brought him in uh, in Aquaman, and they were like, "What do you want to do next?" And he's like, "Well, my my wife and I can write something, so let's just do that." And sure, why not? That that is the blankest of check like horror yes. films in a yeah. while. He's like, "No, no, no! I'll never get this chance again." Me and my wife just make a crazy ass movie. Oh my god! When they lean into the premise of that movie, they leaned all the way in, and I was yeah. I was completely on board for it. So, um, but uh, I didn't. Uh, okay, so she was the young version of the of the actress in that. Yeah. Like, okay. So like that's. Young but Madden. most of her credits have been so the fact that like now yeah she's like I think she's like currently I think she's like fifteen but yeah wow. I think she's got she's got a great career ahead of her um, absolutely I, super so, talented kid so, so let's talk about the post credit scenes yes 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 let's do that so okay so the first of the two was kind of a fun sequence with Sigourney Weaver and Bill Murray kind of like recreating the famous uh, flashcard scene from the first Ghostbusters they both have wedding rings so it is they confirmed do. they are married. Yes, yes. I, I, I was kind of hoping that we'd have, uh, you know, the actor who played uh, Oscar, one of the two actors from, from that uh, show up in the background. We didn't get that, but it was a really, it was kind of a, just a cute scene with the two of them together. Well, imagine um, Oscar's what? Uh, he's probably what, 37, 38 by now? <laughs> that's true. So he's yeah. probably like busy doing a podcast. <laughs> Probably so. What if he's mom, dad, you're, you know, you're, you're interrupting my, uh, my malignant, my, by, by minute podcast I'm doing I, here. <laughs> I'll say this though. If you want to get into uh, uh, Oscar theories, uh-huh. if they bring a character of Oscar in, they could make him like an empath. Cause maybe like residual Vigo oh. powers have made him like, he can kind of see in like a dark side or something. Sure. Yeah. Kind of like see the other side and you could play with that where it's like, what if humans have these like, you know, the telepel telepel telepathy here is one thing but it's like what yeah what if you get touched by like an evil ancient sorcerer and he tries to imbue himself in you are you is there any residual powers left in you yeah 
he can he can see whatever Lewis Tully is doing at any moment in time. <laughs> he can just see, see through his eyes. You don't have to recast Rick Moranis. We can just see through yeah. his eyes and get a voice impersonator. And, and, for and Janos. And Janos, yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, if we could only get Peter McNichol back. Um, I know. If there's any, uh, Niall wants, he wants a Peter McNichol redemption. I'm like, I'm like, they're going to have to like f- pull up to his house with a big truck and be like, what do you want to do with Janos? We'll rewrite Janos. It's fine, though. We just want to get you in here. What can make you happy? He's got so much Ally McBill money. He probably never has to get off the couch. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So we had that. And there, there's not really a whole lot to say about that other than it's a cute little scene. Um, yeah. I think for the little time Bill Murray spins on screen in this movie, you do kind of get that elder bill murray charm i think where he's kind of playing the version of peter vankman who is i think uh right by society standards in this day you know yeah. <laughs> um so that was a good kind of comeuppance on the peter vankman character so the big scene though is the one that it's pretty funny brady the first time he saw this uh did not uh stay through the full credits and i was like come on man you have to do that now. <laughs> uh so i i knew by his mistake to stay through the credits and boy did we get a humdinger of a final credit sequence here. Yeah. Um, so uh, to start off, we have the uh, cut scene from the original Ghostbusters um, where Annie Potts is herring, her- handing Harold Ramis a, uh, what was it? Is it a, um, it, not a Staten Island token? What am I thinking? It's a uh, world, the world's fair token from a deleted it. scene from the first move. They recanonize yeah. it. Yeah. And that was really cool to see that because I don't know that I've seen that and it looked like it was completely cleaned up and everything too. Uh, yeah, that's, so it, that's one of those like it was on the DVDs, but it was, yeah, they never mm-hmm. really touched it up. And like, oh, we had this scene where we, we kind of wanted to build more of an arc between him and Janine. And it was like, yeah, it wasn't needed, but I'm glad they kind of re imbued it. Oh, totally. Yeah. And and then and then we cut to uh, Annie Potts sitting in what I'm assuming is uh, the the office of uh, Ernie Hudson of uh, Winston Zedmore's uh, Zedmore Industries. I don't think we get a name for it or anything like that. Yeah playing with it and then walking up and they kind of have like a very short scene to the two of them. He's talking about how he was able to build this company from the ground up and he's keeping uh, Ray's occult books in, you know, he's paying the rent on it. And I love his line. He's like, eventually he's going to turn a profit. And you're like, yeah. that's I'm, the Winston. Yeah. 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 I, I was going to say like, I don't know if does Ray even know that like, he's the like, you know, Winston's because I feel like Ray, because Ray kind of felt so sullen in that bookstore. Yeah. Where I was like, does he know that like maybe he, he you know, maybe under like a different name, like Winston's been like doing it. Oh, yeah. So, so Ray's <laughs> like, oh, I don't want to owe you, Winston. But Winston's like, no, I'm, I'm doing you. I'm doing you solid on this. It looks but, like uh, a shell company or something like that. Yeah. He thinks he's paying a mortgage to a bank or something. And Winston's just, you know, looking out for his buddy there. But um. You know, it's it's great because we, you know, the 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 real crime I think of Ghostbusters two is the very little screen time that Ernie Hudson gets in that movie, and mm-hmm. I feel like we're setting up something down the line for more uh, Ernie Hudson in a future yeah. movie, which it really uh, makes me happy because it's of all the characters I think that there's more story to tell with these movies. It's probably for Winston Zedmore. Yeah, you know. Um, so and then we get uh, the scene where he walks into the uh, hook and ladder number eight, the the Ghostbusters firehouse, and it is not a Starbucks, which is weird because they say that earlier in the movie, which is probably just a throwaway funny line about the whole thing. Um, but yeah, wh- how, how do you how did you like this this ending? Where, where, where did it feel like what, what did it make you feel like where we're going with it with maybe an, a, a future movie? Well, it did answer the question that I was thinking of when I went approached this movie was that like, you know, they make a whole big deal in like the first movie about like the power grid and like the containment unit and stuff like, yeah, what's keeping this power of the containment unit? Uh, you know, t- together. Like I'll, 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 like I'll, I'll give some things a pass. Like the fact that, like, uh, that uh, I guess it was Zul. No, it was Vince Clortho was like trapped, or is it? I'm trying to which which one it was. No, I guess it was Vince Clortho was trapped in Egon's trap for like, I don't know, a couple of decades or whatever. Yeah. Or not decades, maybe a couple of years or months. Um, so it's like he had that trap in there and it, it, it didn't die the battery. And then the Gozer and all those other ghosts, they're getting trapped in the, in, in a containment unit in the ground uh, out of all those traps. And I'm like, I guess that'll hold them indefinitely. Mm-hmm. So like Gozer can't, you know, cross over. He, yeah. Gozer has been eliminated. Um, but yeah, I'm, a, I'm like, okay, cool. The containment unit is like low. Something's going to happen and that could start off. Then they either got to catch some ghosts in the next one, or they got to go somewhere. Uh, it's it, it's exciting because I think uh, now what they could do is I I kind of I hope that I kind of actually hope they bring in um 
uh, Eric Burnham, who's been writing the Ghostbusters comics. Like, I've said this to you before. How, like, yeah, I think Eric Burnham did a great job in this meantime of writing like all this Ghostbusters storyline where you know he worked off the video game. He's like, all right, fine. They're like they have other franchises, they have other characters and stories. Um, and just yeah, there's, there's still plenty of ghosts out there. I don't know why they say there hasn't been a ghost sighting. Like that's malarkey. Like it, <laughs> there's hundreds of years of worth of ghosts to be found all over the world. Yeah. So uh, they could, and and he, Jason said that he said like he doesn't know if he's gonna be like you know how involved he would be in the future, but he definitely said he wants to see this go international. And I agree. I said I think that'd be great. Like whether it be like you can have get some international actors meeting up with American actors and they got to go to Europe or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they got to go to the East, you know, far East. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, Oh, different place, but we still got to bust ghosts. I think. And then the fact that like, we've eliminated the way about the money part. Cause it's like, Oh, Winston could be funding a lot of this. So it's yeah. like, they could afford to spread the business out now because they have a financial safety of, of, of Zedmore Industries. Yeah, yeah. And that's, um, it's, it's going to be funny how they try to balance those two things because the, the charm of these movies has always been the held together by duct tape kind of aspect of everything that they do. And it's like, well, we've eliminated that because we have the money man now, you know, who's going to be able to run everything. So where, where do we go with the new one? But like, like you're saying, I mean, there's really infinite possibilities now. And I know that Ivan Reitman and Dan Aykroyd have both said that they want to do the Marvel shared universe type thing too. Yeah. So that's, it's, they really don't have to repeat what they did with the characters or anything Ghostbusters Afterlife and the next one, you could, like you're saying, you literally started off on another continent. We're going to franchise this thing out. Like, I think Peter Venkman has a line where he's shaking uh, maybe McKenna Grace's hands, like, and Pete Venkman from the home office. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, yeah. uh, we could really, we could really spin this thing out and, and really do that eventual kind of like 10 years down the line, like Ghostbusters Europe meets up with Ghostbusters Asia, meets up with the West Coast Ghostbusters or something, and yeah. it really, and really have like the return of, you know, I'm sure Olivia Wilde would be fine to come back and do another Gozer appearance like 10 years down the line. So, uh, yeah, and I th- and I think I think McCray and Grayson like Logan like obviously their their characters are young right now, but you could keep them in the next movie like they're they're studying, they're learning, mm-hmm. you know they could ha- they could be involved in the in the movie in some in some capacity. So it's like okay, maybe they're they not everyone would be proton throwing, but uh, keep keep them in. They could kind of age into it. Yeah, uh, uh, you know you can have like maybe McC- yeah maybe like uh. Because it says that Pete's doing advertising, but there could be some other things that, like maybe from parapsychology that that she learns from him, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, they have Ray, Ray, you can definitely. I just want to have more conversations between Ray and podcast. Yeah, because <laughs> like right at the end, I love it. He's covered in marshmallows, and Ray and him are talking podcasts. I was like, this is great. I love this. I would, I would, I would love even the two of them trying to do their own my favorite murder style podcast, where you know you've got cross generation. Maybe they're going on, you know, maybe not busting ghosts so much as investigating things. You know, uh, oh yeah, paranormal aspect that you could easily, yeah, easily do that. Um, so yeah, and I, I would love it if maybe they pulled some ideas from the comics and just kind of like reintroduce them, like a bunch of different villains of other characters, mm-hmm. new stuff. Um, they had, I think, I forget what other god is, but one of the comics they had like um, a couple of the gods that like uh, that Gozer talked with that kind of like made fun of Gozer that they, oh, Gozer can't attack this realm. Like Gozer's, you know, you're such a butthead, you can't do it. Will, <laughs> will do. It was kind of like a ghost rivalry. It was kind of like, a, kind of like a, um, like a Mount Olympus thing where it was just like, oh, you're such a fool, Gozer, you can't invade Earth. You know. Yeah. So yeah. it's like other ghosts could want to do it um that have they have different powers they have different rules that they apply to yeah um, and i also i like that they bring in like uh a, a more advanced uh technology not just proton blades like i think i think they could bring back i think they, i would love is you do like a mark ii proton pack like from the video game where it's mm. had other other abilities on it including like a, a built-in slime blower yeah, yeah. That was one of the cool things about the video game is you were upgrading the pack as you went along and it had like uh maybe like kind of like a shotgun blast type thing and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah, it's um I like I did like in this and I will back to what you're saying, uh saying in a second, is how the um PKE meter was also a ghost stun gun yeah. at some point. Yeah. No, that was yeah, I, I I I liked that little like yeah, it could I mean like I could see like that could be incorporated in the future of just like you're tracking, you're tracking, ghost gets too close, you tase it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there's like so much more new technology I would love to see. Like, like, you know, podcasts 
wore the goggles, but we never got to see what he was seeing. Yeah. I hope yeah. there's a deleted scene of him because they kind of rush that too. It's just like they're out there, they're outside. She's got the proton pack and he's got the goggles and they're about to like, you know, shoot those bottles off the, uh, that, that old like, uh, uh, tractor tread. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, we just, there's clearly a deleted scene here. Like there's clearly a scene of her showing him the gear and them coming out here. Like they just, they were just there in a field. Yeah. He, he was probably supposed to be like the spotter for like a sniper or something like that. Kind of like, okay, here's your range and here's where the wind's coming from. If you want to throw right, you know? And, um, yeah. It, so, it was fun too to see the Polaroid, but did you, I, I forget. Did we see what was on the Polaroid after he no, ejected it? No. I, I okay. think he took it. Um, he did it twice. He did it near the end of the movie too. I just forget when. Cause I remember mm. him doing the button. So it's like he took two Polaroids, but we never saw them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would love to see. Yeah, we could see. So I remember watching these trailers and I think I, I think when I was playing with my buddies, I was trying to incorporate those ideas of like, you know, like a, they could upgrade their PKE meter and mm-hmm. their, their upgrade their um, goggles to have the, the Polaroid so they could kind of like write on their invoices, the digital stuff. Um, I think that's where you go forward. I think they could also incorporate from the video game comics, the whole Peacock system where it's like, you know, ghosts become such a problem again. They, they, they it turns into like a, a whole bureaucratic utility system. Mm. And, and then, then, then if you wanted to, they could bring back Peck or some other, bureaucratic character that like isn't is an antagonist but it's not like they're to shut them down but they're to like organize it because it's like you know they're reestablishing a business but it's like okay well here are the new rules now right yeah you know yeah. it's like we're not saying no but you have to play by these rules and there's a new conflict so it'd be fun for them to like give their invoices about you know we had to bust this ghost and what does this mean and how much is this going to cost and yeah here's know. a here's a way how to you know um under new uh new york laws how to bust ghosts in a green way you know since uh yeah because like that was the, that was the joke he said oh it was a reagan errors was great i'm like yeah it's like you know like low regulation but yeah. like now in new york <laughs> like the fact that you're gonna you know update and add add more uh, things to this old power grid in tribeca yeah <laughs> And I would love it if they showed like, you know, like a modern day Tribeca where like it's nice and like, I'm sure like, I haven't been to Tribeca, but I'm sure it's like, yeah, it is nice and clean. I'm sure there are Starbucks in every corner. Yeah. And just the fact like maybe they, I would love to see where it's like, you know, maybe podcast runs in and he's just covered in like slime and ectoplasm. <laughs> and be like, yeah, order for podcast. And he's just like, you know, he reaches up and he accidentally like throws plasm on somebody. He's oh, just man. covered in it, like grabbing the coffee. He's excited. He's like, see ya. That's on great. The because, tab and runs the, out. Like, like the slobs versus snobs now thing is like working class versus like a, a neoliberal type situation. You know, oh, it's yeah. like Beyonce and Jay-Z are now like the, the uh, upper crust of New York and Tribeca. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You just have like, yeah, you have like the, yeah, like the, yeah, the yuppies on their laptop, and he, and they, 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 like, you know, they, what's that smell? They turn, yeah. and it was just like, you know, a bunch of Ghostbusters walk in, and they just, they look stinky. They look, <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, we just had to bust another one off the Hudson. I fell in, you know, it's like, oh, that's why he stinks. <laughs> Folks, you don't want to know how the ghosts get busted and how we keep the city clean, okay? It's just it's something you have to accept happens, so. <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, they should just steal wholesale from, between the video game and the comics, just mm-hmm. new ideas where it's just like, what if, because at least the video game when they did update was that the slime wasn't from Vigo, at least the video game, which is now like B canon, if you will. Right, yeah. You could kind of like stretch it to be like certain canon, but like the slime they incorporated was that actually was like Vigo was manipulating it, was using it, but really it was actually created from a slore right. that the cult of Gozer uh, had chained up. And the whole idea was that, you know, because that's the thing is that we don't talk about too much in this movie at all is that where were the cult where happened to the cultists okay like, so they- yeah go I, I thought I saw something and I'm gonna have to look at this again I, I, I figure maybe I, I haven't seen anybody talking about it online um, there's a line earlier in the movie where podcast says something about the um, the Illuminati owns like the hardware store right yeah there's a scene when they're going around trying to catch Muncher and they pass by a building that I swear to God had the cult of Gozer logo on it. Uh, oh, it, well, remember, Lucky says, uh, I don't know if you heard, heard the scene or not, but they say that, like, Evo Shandor built and, like, his name's on almost every building in right. town. Yeah, yeah. So, it, 
so I'm, I'm assuming that to, to that degree, there might still be some remnants of that. I mean, maybe podcast is getting the stories mixed up. It's not the Illuminati that's running the hardware store, but it's the remnants of the cult of Gozer that might still be there in, in town too. So, uh, I, you know, there could very well be, like you're saying that shadow cult that it has enslaved a slore or something like that. You know? it's, uh, it is odd that like, you know, there's a couple old people we saw in the movie, but no, mm-hmm. they never, like these old people might've been old enough to know at least somebody related to the mining and to the, and to the, the the cult, yeah. So it's like, did they all just jump in the pit and sacrifice themselves, or did they all <laughs> did no one like wait to see the coming and make sure that things moved? I'm sure there's but, still a union boss out there somewhere for the mining union that is uh, <laughs> was smart enough to not do that and maybe stuck around to keep the so, uh, the lodge of Gozer going. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of one thing that's so funny that like we don't hear about is like yeah, what like human antagonists, you know, mm-hmm. like they could straight up be like something out of like a Lovecraft story where it's like. They got robes, they got funny looking daggers, and they all want to go, oh, Gozer, <laughs> yeah. or whatever, you know? And like, and then it's like, do we fire at the cultists with a proton? Yeah. You know, I was like, like, I don't, that doesn't seem ethical, but like, they're coming at us with knives. Hey, like, look, it's you or them. You gotta, you know, stand yeah. your ground with this po- uh, proton. <laughs> they they come at me with a dagger, yeah. like, I'm firing. Like, yeah. <laughs> but like, that's, yeah. But that's where, that's where the Mark Tube thing would be like, would you hose him and just like slime him up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, uh, but yeah, so yeah, I, I think there's so many, I'm excited for all ideas. I hope at least, you know, the tip of the iceberg is, is this movie. And I, I do hope there's actually more going forward. I think, yeah, I, yeah. there's just something, there's something about the concept of just like regular sl- slobs of, of, of working class people mm-hmm. doing a dirty job of cleaning up ghosts. It's yeah. just, it's just something that like, and they were, and we watched the original movie, like everyone's chanting Ghostbusters. Like they were in that first movie. And even in the second, when they get the key to the city at the end of the movie, yeah, they were, they were championed as heroes. So it's like, you got, you got that swell of emotion. Like, yeah, like regular people could get, could become heroes for just doing the job. Yeah. And I think, I think it wow. played then and it plays well now too, you know, kind of, uh, the average Joe is kind of, I think, uh, be, becoming a folk hero again and, and could be that center of the whole movie. I, I want to talk about something real quick, um, that I have seen going on online. And there's a lot of discussion about this movie that, um, uh, you know, we, we could talk about, and I think you and I are of the same mind of the, a lot of it is a little silly, you know? Um, but there's one thing I've been seeing people say that, uh, I think is needs to be talked about is the fact that, in this movie, uh, the kids don't know anything about what happened in New York in 1984. Uh, that Paul Rudd's character has to say to them, like, oh, you guys have never, this is, you don't know what a ghost trap is? You haven't heard about this? And I've seen this, this Stay Puff Marshmallow Man attack um, linked to things like 9-11. And people saying, like, that's like, you know, uh, being born in 2002 and not believing in 9-11. And I have yeah. to stop right real quick and say, yeah. if you do any search for 9-11 online first of all you're you're red flagged in the fbi uh but yeah. secondly probably one of the first searches that come up is 9-11 fake you know like yeah th- there there was a, a a wave of ufo sightings during world war ii and something called the battle of los angeles you can look this up where yes a ufo yeah. was sighted over los angeles and fired on by the united states because we thought at the time it was the japanese or the uh the germans coming here turns out it was probably just like a a, a, some sort of a a weather anomaly that they were firing on but like that is also looked back on as just kind of this like folk legend where the state buff marshmallow man yes even though there were cameras on it and stuff like that there's people out there that think the earth is flat you know like uh, like this is this is an argument that does not hold up in my mind at all there's enough out there to say that people kind of like something happens in the public consciousness and it becomes kind of like uh there's uh, enough people out there that are truthers of it that don't believe in it anymore yeah i i mean i'm I'm glad i I would love it for if if you wanted the future podcast could be the type of guy who kind of goes like you know i investigate mysterious and stuff but i know when i'm you know when someone's pulling my chain yeah 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 like you know i i do i think i think i'm sure he did like that night he probably like read everything up about the Stay Puff attack. I'm sure he even read about the Statue of Liberty walking down the street. Yeah, and and yeah, I think I think there's credence to that. Even today's day and age, when you go, oh, you know, this is truth. This has happened. People go, no, that's a fake thing. This is this right. is real. Oh, what's actually going to happen is this. And you're like, what? Like that whole JFK Jr. is going to come back oh and God. fix America. You're like, yeah. what? Like, yeah. 
<laughs> why like what freaking type of yeah like like what like i i, I couldn't even begin to wrap my head around that stuff so yeah like there's i think i think for a lot i think a lot of kids that like that are born after the internet the internet is just like this huge index that it's hard for them to parse mm-hmm. what's real and what's not and i do kind of feel bad when it's just be like you know you go to a library and all those books well you take them for you take them as truth like yeah, I did a research book and I picked this book up and that was it. But the internet, it's like you, yeah, you cite, you type in something. I remember once I was typing in something about the history of Central Park. Now, the real history of Central Park is it was a lot of like a lot of poor people, a lot of black families that neighborhoods that lived in Central Park, and overall they're like, well, we want to build this park and we don't care about these people and we're going to clear them out. Mm. That's the real history. I read some article about like. They had secret bunkers and uh, Hitler stayed in a bunker at one point because he was being hosted by the the U.S. government during this. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, this is insane. And it's being written as straight, like no satire, straight truth. So, yeah, it's it's kind of creepy that, like, you could say crazy stuff and then you go, what, you didn't know that's real or what? You didn't think that was fake? Yeah. Idiot. And it, it's it's totally believable to me in a world where something like that could happen. Like kind of the, the the history we really don't want to talk about. That's too brutal. That we hide it underneath all this other crazy stuff. That you could have kids who were like, "Oh, we didn't know the Statue of Liberty got out <laughs> off of uh, Ellis Island or whatever, and walked <laughs> through actually to uh, to the Met or whatever it was." Um, that it's say, say say that's the thing, and I'm going to say yeah, it's the Ghostbusters universe and all. But it's like mm-hmm. say that right? Say the Statue of Liberty in 1989. <laughs> Was powered by uh was powered by super slime and it <laughs> walked in the streets of New York. They're putting chips in in vaccines to make sure that they can control your brain. And you'd be like, and you say it with like a straight face on both ends and be like, one was true, quote unquote, and one's the you know one's fake. Duh, didn't you know that? Yeah. So it's it's. <laughs> I feel bad for people in the Ghostbusters universe because it's like they gotta put up with conspiracy theories and ghosts yeah. that actually terrorize them. <laughs> Like they actually have ghosts that end that can end the world, and and you know like our Ghostbusters got sent to the psych ward yeah. in Ghostbusters too because the mayor's assistant didn't want to hear it. <laughs> Somebody get me the Ghostbusters! Oh man. Uh well, anything else? Any anything else you want to talk about as far as Ghostbusters Afterlife is concerned? I, no, I think I'm I'm really satisfied. I said I think we. We've crested this hill that we mm-hmm. didn't, we never knew if we were going to do it. Like, can we pass the torch? Can we like settle the original storylines and can we move on to newer actors and, and still tell fun stories? Yes. I think this movie uh, did it. And I, and so all the, all the weird, yeah, all those weird reviews, they say, like, Oh, it's too much nostalgia. It's too much to make it. It's give the fans exactly what they want. Yeah. Duh. Like, we're yeah. the ones buying the tickets. Yeah. And we're the ones that are going to buy the tickets in 2024 when you make the next one. It's like, duh. Like, wh- what? Do you, why do you think, like, Marvel makes, like, Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3? Because people <laughs> liked Iron Man. Like, yeah. that's how it works. <laughs> like, you give the fans what they want. And you can give them new stories and you make new characters. But you give the fans an entertaining time, you know? It, I think it, Sony right now is in a great position because, like, uh, like like Morbius and Venom and the Spider-Man movies, I find them like they're not insanely enthralling, but mm-hmm. they're like they look like they're just they're like those perfect movies you had in the nineties where you're like, man, I know this is gonna be dumb, but damn it, I'm gonna have a good time in it. Yeah, it's it's the deep rising of its day. Yeah, <laughs> and I think I think Sony's like in a great time right now. It's like yeah, they can like balance their budgets of like not going over over budget. They could make a lot of good like like double a just topping into the triple a uh movie market i think you know like I, I think right now they can strike because right now disney and marvel they still haven't gotten it all figured out yeah they're still trying to play with what's a movie what's a disney plus mm-hmm. and like what's going to be this and what's going to be that it's like you can tell like marvel right now and disney and with the star wars and disney the marvel franchise they don't really know what's going they got their faces they say they got phases but every every month they're saying like oh this is Rogue One, that's kind of shelved right now. We're not really, you know, we're not doing that right now. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's like right now, Sony can really act on the franchises they have and they don't need a rush and they can make good quality ones and get them out and they could, they could clean up in the theater. 
Totally. And I, I really think they've set themselves up for a situation where they can fully last Jedi, uh, the next movie, where it really doesn't have to be whole. You, you got your nostalgia movie out. You know, we've got that out of the way. We took care of of Egon and kind of that lineage. And I think they would really take it off in a completely new direction, like we were talking about earlier. And I would totally be on board with it. Yeah. Let's, well, I don't let's... want to say Last Jedi because half the movie in Last Jedi was let's let's get rid of the past. But then at, at the end, she's good. He's bad. And yeah. We got to get the Millennium Falcon. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's what I started knowing. I don't think they know what they're doing. And then yeah. Rise of Skywalker. I don't think they really know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. I don't. You know what? I haven't just I want to say what it is. Yeah, Empire Strikes Back it now. Like you, 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 you set the adventure, and then you do something else with, with the with with, with the characters, yeah. or or new, yeah, or have new characters. You have you have a blank check. To, like you can make new characters. You can have the first scene could just be some new co- comedic actors that we like, maybe an SNL alum. Like mm-hmm. I'm not knocking SNL alums. Like just make the characters not feel like they're sketch goofs. Right, right. Yeah, but like yeah. they walk in and Zedmore's like, all right, you t- you know, you three, you four, you look, you look, you look at your hired. All right, put the, put the suit, you know, flight suits on and we're going to go, you know, play with some proton packs. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of talented uh, SNL cast members who are probably looking for something to do coming pretty soon. So yeah. I think it look, um, Cecily Strong's great. Let's put her in something, you know, oh, <laughs> Cecily Strong. Yeah. What? She's got to be done. She's been doing, she has to have done some movies, but you're right that she's, she's due for her own like character. Her own I think movie. so. I think her breakout time is soon, especially, did you know she wrote a book like, like over COVID? Like apparently her, her cousin passed away and she was a caretaker or something and wrote this like really sentimental book that people are like, Oh, she's also like a fantastic author. And anyway, beside the point, I think it's time for her to really to have her own like movie and really kind of take center stage. Cause she's super talented, but yeah, um, she- yeah. She'd be great. Hey, uh, Sony casting department, if you're listening, Ivan Reitman, if you're listening, Ghost Corps, if you're listening, Cecily Strong. They, hold on, I gotta check. Did they put her in Ghostbusters? Maybe they put her in Ghostbusters. She was an answer the call. She was. Yeah, like she the was mayor's for assistant. Yeah, she, yeah, she was a mayor's assistant. Andy Garcia's mayor's assistant. I yeah. mean, and I said that's not like a no, a real big role. Obviously, that sure. was yeah. a side character. So it's like. Just well, bring her in or something. We, yeah. we could do, you know, Ghostbusters multiverse. It could happen. You know, Dan Aykroyd was a cab driver and he kind of looked like the dead cab driver in the first Ghostbusters. So maybe, maybe that's how it works. So I mean, they're about to do it with Spider-Man. So yeah, you know, it's hey. like, it's not unheard of. <laughs> that's Sony's jam now. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think that leaves us at a pretty good place to to end it here. Um, I l- had a lot of fun talking about this. Thank you so much for giving me your time tonight, Dave, to, to talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife. And, um, uh, hey, you know, they're probably going to make another one of these movies. Maybe we should talk about it again in a couple of years. <laughs> More than happy to. Thank you very much, Kyle. Awesome. All right, everybody. Uh, well, Dave, hey, before we go real quick, tell everybody out there uh, where they can find you on the internet. Yes, well, um, I am slowly still podcasting, whether it be on guest spots, and I am still working on my show, Five Minutes of Mystery. Though, I think my last episode, I did wrap up like the movie. I still want to talk about the comics. And I am still working on some other projects, Mystery Men related. So, like... As I I made a little hiatus around the holiday, but I am I got ideas. I got I got I got some proton packs ready. They're charging. <laughs> I got I got some of the things I'm working on. So, uh, you know, so so listen in and yeah, check on the the movies by minutes podcast group. What even though us bombs don't put much out, there are a lot of podcasters out there that are probably doing another movie that you may like to talk yeah. you know, to listen to. Yeah, definitely check that out. Moviesbyminutes.com. Um, tons of great stuff over there. I want to give a shout out real quick uh, to my co-host on uh, Theme Park This, Mr. Scott Corelli, because Dueling Genre is now the hosting partner for Pele, Pele Media Podcast. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, very cool for them to step up and, and take over that. So this is, I guess, the property of Dueling Genre. So I guess I got to contact Scott and see how we're going to get this podcast up. So <laughs> Scott gets a call. You're like, I got an episode. Oh, you got a park? No, no, no. Ghostbusters. What? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 I got, I got Ghostbusters. I got to put it up. Speaking of which, we got a November Patreon. We got to do for Theme Park This. So that is my podcast, folks. If you want to hear me talk about theme parks, and we do talk about Ghostbusters a lot over there. We actually talked about a really cool Ghostbusters concept ride. I don't remember which episode it was in. Oh, it was the Sony Park. We did a Sony Park episode. Go check that out. It was a lot of fun. Um, that is Theme Park This, if you're into theme parks. And uh, other than that, you can check out Pele Media Group. I think it'll be up for a little while longer. And uh, other than that, um, yeah, that's it. Thank you, Dave. Thank you so much. Uh, we're recording this right here for Thanksgiving. So I hope you and your family have a very happy Thanksgiving. And, Use well and to all the listeners. To all the listeners. All right, folks. Thank you so much. We will uh, see you again at some point in the future. Time is by the door. Death is a window. We'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. All right. 
You walk out the door, then you walk back in the second that's cold outside, and you see I've got something to give, and I'd give it to you a hundred times over till you screwed me over just like the last time, saying it was the last time. I paid the price, staying alone in my room after what happened to you. I'm thinking I really loved you, and maybe I still do. A ghost never leaves a haunted house. <laughs> 